Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Touchy Feely Podcast. Coming to you live, well, not live, coming to you recorded Almost from live. Riverton, Utah. Whoa. My name is Tim, and I'm with my spouse. You mean the lovely wife. I'm with... This is Jessica Fisher-Champlin. With Jessica Fisher-Champlin. Hello, nice to make your acquaintance. And this is our episode three, but technically our fourth episode. It's true, yeah. We're really excited about the material um, for for this uh, session because we're th- talking about something called thinking errors when your brain lies to you. Yes. So, um, why is it important to know when your brain's lying to you, Tim? Um, Tim, can you tell me? I I feel Mom. like. Stop. Stop it. Okay. Um, so this is what I always tell my clients. Hello, client. Hello, therapist. As we live life and as we experience different things, we develop certain beliefs about ourselves and about the world or about people and about the way people are. And a lot of times those beliefs, or yeah, a lot of times those beliefs are incorrect. And these beliefs um, ha- are like not helpful for you. Distorted from reality. Yeah, they make your life harder. And it's really cool because one time a guy, is it David Burns? Yeah. Or is it some? It is David Burns. I'm just kind of sure. Yeah, it's right there. We actually have a screen oh, up. Oh, sorry. Awesome. Um, <clears throat> a guy named David Burns created, or not, I guess identified through research and experience, things called thinking errors, or if you want to sound smart to your friends, you, you can call them cognitive distortions. Um, and so this thinking errors and cognitive, cognitive distortions um, is from a therapy, um, what would you call it? Like a, a modality a, or thank a you. kind of, I swear we know what we're talking a about. A big old like chunky method of dealing with people who have like lower mental health functioning, not as resilient, get stuck a lot more emotionally or yeah. compulsive addiction, that kind of stuff. All kind of seem to have a lot of these cognitive distortions or thinking errors or brain lies uh, that kind of affected them to a point where their symptoms became more anxious and more depressed than the average population. So if we can, if we can just start from the beginning, well, an evolutionary perspective. Well, first, well, I don't know if I'm thinking what you're thinking, but we're gonna get into that. Um, but um, you're not a mind reader, are you? No, no, I'm not. (laughs) As as hard as I try to be, so so thinking errors. Um, this concept comes from this therapy modality called cognitive behavior therapy. It's like the grandfather of pretty much all therapy. Yeah, it's it's kind of at the grandmother. Yeah, it's at the. It's not. It doesn't have a gender. Um, and yeah, do you want to just talk about what CBT is? What, what the, yeah. what's the general principle of CBT? Sure. 
So I'm actually going to go back thousands of years um, before we, we jump forward into CBT. Um, and the development of the brain, okay? So you've probably heard of the fight or flight or freeze responses, which is uh, what happens when um, the brain actually detects danger. And then it causes all sorts of things to happen in the body to prepare for surviving whatever crisis hit. Well, what happened is the people, or the early people, I guess you could say, people or whatever. That works too, you know, whatever, whatever, you know, you want to look at it like. Um, what we see is that the people that were better able to predict danger and prepare for it or run away from it or fight it or freeze were the ones that lived. <laughs> they were the ones that had offspring. And so you take that, all of these much more dangerous centuries and thousands of years, of all of that breeding where the people that lived longer were the ones that frankly were just a lot more anxious or frankly their brains predicted danger more often than others kept on breeding with each other producing more and more people that frankly were even more wired for survival aka their brain was on hyper alert for danger so unfortunately like <laughs> All the really chill people like that a long time ago, they're like, I don't know, maybe I'll get eaten by a mountain lion, but hey, it's a beautiful day. Hey. I'm going to be mindful of nature. Oh, I'm dying. But for real, right? Yeah. You know, the ones that were like much more wired for survival, aka any possible sign of danger, they reacted more, they had a, a higher amount, aka the people that were much more likely to be anxious. And here we all are. <laughs> um, interbreeding, interbred, interbred to create all of us. And that's one of the popular theories, so to speak, of why we have more mental health issues than we did long ago, along with, you know, nutrition and the fact that we drive everywhere and we don't go outside. And we we don't, yeah, everywhere. we don't but do very much. Tangent, you know. Yeah. But it all brings <clears throat> us to David Burns who asked the question, what is it about the brain and thoughts that are linked to how people identify danger? Really quick. Yeah. That evolutionary thing? Yeah. Um, I never heard of that, but that's really cool. Did you learn that at your university? <laughs> I learned that at my internship. From a very smart man named Bart Robbins. Oh. We're actually he's gonna be a guest. What's up, Bart? There's a really cool video, you know, called Act, but that's gonna be for another discussion. Okay, but, no, that no, yeah. I really like that. It makes perfect sense. Never I ne I just never I just always went back and We're like, wired to be anxious. Isn't I that crazy? I always go back to like the fifties and stuff. Oh, <laughs> hey, I just go back to maybe more comprehensive. Maybe it's because I'm a Y grad and you're a. I think that must be it. <laughs> I think I got Just chipped. kidding. So, to answer Tim's question, David Burns asks, what are these thoughts that are linked to people feeling more depressed and more anxious? And frankly, what are these people who are bred to be more anxious, aka that are able to perceive danger mm -hmm. everywhere? But. They're also much more likely to be anxious and depressed, <coughs> causing poor mental health. What is the link? Let me tell you. 
there you go. This is where I, this is my, this is what I like to talk about. Your genre. Yeah. So, we as human beings are always thinking, all the time, even when we're asleep, even when we're, you know, mellow or triggered and anxious. Because the cave people who didn't think died. (laughs) (laughs) The chill, the chill dudes are gone. And, um. They survived in Hawaii though. And so we have, so we're always constantly having different thoughts. And the thoughts that we have, I want, I mean, I wish, if this was like a video, I'd be drawing like a diagram for you. We'll verbally draw so, a diagram for you. I want you to verbally think of the word thoughts, and then I'm going to verbally draw an arrow. And after that is beliefs. So thoughts leads to beliefs, which leads to, would you say, like emotions? Yeah. And then which leads to actions? I, I would say emotions lead to physical sensations, too, like what the body actually Feels, yeah, the yeah. heart rate, the breathing, yeah. the sweat. We can the, we can put that like the emotions right. Feelings, and emotions. sensations okay. together. I like that. And then that goes to action. So totally. So so basically, but it happens in like a millisecond. You're not even aware of it. Exactly. Yes. Oh man. Oh, there's so much to talk about. I'm so excited. <laughs> so it's great stuff. Thoughts leads to beliefs, which leads to actions. No, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> thoughts leads to beliefs. Which leads to emotions slash feelings, which leads to actions. So, if you don't like how you're feeling, if you don't like how you're acting. Because can you change your feelings just by thinking, and now I will be happy from being sad? Um, no, I mean, I, I definitely, that's, Ooh. that's, I, I think that's pretty tricky to do. But we can change what, Tim? But, but we, I, I still, I can't read your mind still, I'm sorry. Oh, but we can change our thoughts. And that, again, like, that will follow that line, that invisible arrow line that I verbally drew for you guys. Um, and will affect us and how we feel and how we act. And it, it will affect our life and our relationships. And if we take that formula and we flip it around, which is also part of CBT or cognitive behavioral therapy. If we change our behaviors, we also change our emotions, which eventually will help us change our thoughts. However, we're going to get into that in the second half. But go ahead, Tim. Lead us to some cognitive ways of changing our thoughts. So um, I... For me, like when I work like with myself and also when I work with clients, um, the most important, well, you know what, the most important thing is you have to learn to be aware of what your thoughts are in the first place. I work I, so much, this happens all the time with my clients, where um, when someone comes to my office and they're feeling really anxious or feeling really depressed, I try and... and identify with them like what what is your thought or what is your belief that's happening for you right now mm. and a lot of times you know they're like I, I don't know like i just feel depressed and anxious and so we always have to huh. kind of do some digging to figure out okay like what what is going on in your brain right now if you can identify what you're what you're thinking and or what you believe um <clears throat> then you 
that again, like like that depression, that anxiety can be decreased. So it's almost like with your client, they're in the second act, and you have to like help them understand what happened yes. in the first act. I really, of the play, so I really, really like that. Oh, good. Yeah, because we are. Well, and hopefully you catch them before what they do in the third act. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a choose-your-own-adventure, but you're, like, in the oh, middle man. of the book, right? You're trying to understand the other choices you made. Before. Yes. Anyway, um, go ahead. <laughs> so, Back to the second act. There we go. So, anyways, yeah, I mean, it's just a, it's just a, like, our society isn't helpful with us being aware of what we think and what emotion. You know, we've talked about this before in other episodes about, like, being aware of our emotions. And that's all together of, of like, as a society, we're, like, always acting. And we're never... We're reacting. We're not yeah, acting yeah, either. Yeah. It's just, like, automatic impulse. I actually, I like to describe it as, like, computer coding. Where the computer just computer does something, right? Okay. We don't see the coding in the background. We just have it work, right? Oh. And that's, like, our behaviors and our emotions and everything. Because we're just so autopilot all the time, we don't realize that our brain's actually coding in the background everything we feel, everything we do before we do it. But it's so quick, just like in computer coding, that we're not aware that we can actually rewrite the code. That is really what? cool. Can I have your permission to use that? Um, yeah, as long as you recognize that permission. Well, I'll pay you five dollars every time you use that example. Um, yeah, no, that's awesome. So, cool. So that's, that's the main, um, premise, the main premise of, of why cognitive behavior therapy is a thing. Um, and how, like, that general theory, how it works. Um, I'm a, I'm a really big, like, I use this, this modality a lot with my clients. Um, I think you're even more, I I agree. Um, I yeah, I'm really passionate. About it. And let me just say this too. I remember the first time I ever learned about thinking errors was in a class in my, in my bachelor of social work program at UVU. One of my classmates um, um, shared it in a presentation with us, and it blew my mind. Like you know, like just like when like those truths hit you, and you're like. Oh my Whoa. gosh, that's me. This is a thing. <laughs> and like I didn't realize I could like can I could have more control over like my feelings of anxiety or my feelings of not feeling like I'm good enough. You um, can actually rewrite my coding. Yeah. Crazy. So that I mean that was just like really cool for me. For me, I learned about it when I finally was in therapy in college because I was an anxious and nervous wreck and I was like in a perfectionism meltdown. And I realized I did at least half of these things, like, all the time. All the time. Yeah. And these, I'd say, are, like, the 15 maybe most common thinking errors, as we mentioned before, or the most common, uh, most common, quote, coding issues where your brain lies to you. And we're gonna, we're gonna go through these, we're gonna give these examples, but I, I promise anyone that's listening to this, like you guys, everyone has thinking errors. You guys will be able to, like, really connect and be like, "Oh my gosh, I do that one all the time. I do this one all the time." It's mm -hmm. I like that. I like to have clients pick up their top five. Oh yeah, um, that's most, helpful. Most you, but it just errors. distorts reality <clears throat> so that we're not actually seeing the truth of the way things 
are. Yep. And again, it's our brooding. I mean, we're all created for survival beyond, quote, feeling comfortable or, yep. quote, feeling good. And it's great. I mean, we've survived as a human race, right? Right. But... Like, if you think of, like, Pavlov's <laughs> hierarchy of needs, like, we, we got the surviving shelter food down thing yeah. for the most part in America. I mean, you know. I'd say I think we're we're up everywhere in the last ten years according yeah. to like the Bill Gates Foundation report. But yeah. We're uh we're doing good and there. So yeah, I mean you know, there is lots of people unfortunately in poverty in third third world countries and whatnot. But um but now a lot of us are at the point where those need to take care of it's like let's let's focus on like our relationships and our self actualization mm-hmm. and getting to that top. And um, um, learning about this is really helpful and will definitely benefit you. Without further ado, I'm going to introduce the first one. It's called filtering. And again, this relates <laughs> directly back to how survival is more important than seeing things as the truth, right? And so a person who has filtering takes the negative details and magnifies them while filtering out any of the positives that happen. So, for example, throughout the day, all they can report on is literally all of the bad things that happened to them or the stuff they interpreted as, quote, bad or unfortunate or whatever, and their brain literally shuts out any of the good, grateful, gratitude, stuff that was helpful. Because, again, those helpful things, as nice as they are and they make us feel real good, they're not as vital for survival as everything that happened that was bad. And so they filter all all of that good stuff out and focus and replay and worry and repeat in their minds all of that bad stuff. So um an example, I don't know, I I think we can all we can all connect with like dating and relationships and oh. and so like filtering, <laughs> like think of it as like you go on a first date with someone and like it's it's really fun. But all you can think about is the fact that your fly is down and you're such an idiot. Yeah, so like... That happened to me once. I don't think I've ever fun. told you that. No. You want yeah. to talk about that right no. now? No. I want to talk about that right <laughs> <now>. <laughs> Yeah, so you're having a good time. You're connecting. The food's good. You're doing something fun. There's jokes. And then you, I guess, you notice your fly is yep. down. Mm-hmm. Was it down the whole night? Yep. Okay. Um... <laughs> You're laughing. Yeah. yeah. Um, Obviously, it never went out again, so it didn't matter, right? But oh, okay. So, <laughs> <laughs> so that I mean, in that situation, like, like that is still a good day, even if, even one, if like you did something that was embarrassing for you. One embarrassing thing. Maybe of, he didn't notice. I don't know. Out of everything, well, did did he ever? Um, no. Okay. Sorry. Just no. He didn't. Mm. What's his name? Let's call him. Oh, good. <laughs> Any of you I dated and and you know that are listening to the podcast, you're gonna ask yourself that question. I know. Did we? People are like, I really want to listen to this podcast. This girl does with her husband that I want to date once. Um. Yeah, but but anyways, I I like to think of like so that's filtering. Um. You it's, have that one B in your report card, right? Yeah, I've, and it yeah. It ruins everything. Oh, I'm so stupid. I don't know anything. And even though you have like seven, or I did that on one test, years. and so yeah, no, like, um, I think it's a good exercise yeah. 
to like you know if you feel like you've had a bad day or whatever to write down like okay like what are like what are the things that happened that upset me mm. and then like what are like the good things or the, Check you know, the, or the things that went yeah. fine so that's that's filtering and i think that again kind of just backtracking really quick how do i combat that i think gratitude is essential because it again helps highlight those things that did go well <coughs> to be able to balance out the quote good and yeah. bad that actually happened throughout the day even though I do understand that the brain is just trying to keep Yeah. So thanks, brain, but no thanks. So next is um, black and white thinking, or polarized thinking, or black and white thinking. I or think, dichotomy. I think most people call it black and white. <laughs> I think so, Basically, yeah. everything is is either good or bad. All or nothing is another common all, way of looking at that, too. And so um, this is a really... This one is something that I really need to learn about because oh, I, I, I did this a lot. Um, but here's the thing: like, like life is mm-hmm. really gray. Like, life is complex, and and people are complex, and like you know, no one is no one is all good or all bad or all dumb or all smart. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so just to remind yourself, like. It's, it's, this way is not helpful because if you think in this way, I think it just like limits kind of like how you might view yourself or other people. You know, I'm either good or I'm bad or, um. That label gets you stuck. Yeah. Like that extreme, whatever it is. Um, a really great example that we hear all the time is perfect. Or failure. Yeah. Or I'm no good. I can't do anything. I'm constantly going to be failing at stuff. Which, again, <clears throat> I'm sure there really have been some victories, right? It's just that brain, again, latching on to these things to hopefully help prevent any kind of Bad thing happening in the future. Let's let let me um shout out to to our boy Thomas who was in our last podcast Woo-hoo! episode. Um and and you know if you've listened to that one then you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. In that episode, uh, Thomas shared with us when he was in high school, he worked really really hard um in um running. High jump? No 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 nope. no 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 it Lunge? was nope. nope it was when you jump over the things. No, that's not lunging. Well, yeah. Thomas, we're so sorry, but we still love you. Um, <laughs> that really amazing sport. Jumping. I, I'll remember at some point. Anyways, so he's running this race, and then he tripped and fell. And, like, that was a really... And that was the only time he'd ever tripped and fallen. Man. Yeah. I mean, ever. And and it was, and this was, like, a really, really disappointing situation for him. And it really stung. And so and he talked about, like, you know, feel like a failure and all this work kind of he did was for nothing and all or nothing right yeah that right there is that black and white thinking of no matter how much good i did um you know i did this i messed up and therefore i'm a failure all of it's bad it all blew up hurdles 
Hurdles. Hur you're jumping hurdles. We got you. Okay. Um, and another, you know, we we live um, in a in a pretty religious community, and it's like with this comes up a lot where, um, you know, you can be doing really good things, you can be serving people, you can be compassionate and patient, and you know, doing 99% things of in your religion. And then, like, if you, you know, let's say, like, you One sin, mess up. Yeah. And then, oh, man, like, I'm going to hell. Or, like, you know, and it's like, wait a second, wait a second. All or nothing. Like, yeah. you have, like, in order to be successful and helpful, you have to, like, look at all the things that you do right. Yeah, we're all great. None of us are perfect, and that's okay. And we will make mistakes, and that's okay. But it doesn't mean we're 100% a failure. Right. That's a lie. I mean, it's not helping you at all. And it's frankly distorting the truth. One of the ways we like to kind of combat that is percentages. I really like that. Where yeah. we, we do a lot of scaling, you and I, mm -hmm. not, not only in our offices, but even at home, we'll ask each other things like, well, how much do you want to do that zero to 10? And it really does kind of help you understand, oh, that's where they're at. Or even for myself, hey, Jessica, how did how did you do on in that one session relating to that person zero to ten? That helps me understand, oh hey, that's where I'm actually at and what I need to do to actually improve that. Yeah. While if I just said, Oh man, I'm a terrible therapist, there's nothing specific for me to actually work on. It's just an all or nothing thing. Or I'm an awesome therapist. AKA, there's nothing. Right. There's either, there's either nothing for you to improve or there's no point in you trying to improve because yeah. you're completely bad at it. 100% good, 100% bad. Both are still keeping us in a box, enabling us from actually being anything. Yeah. But again, one of the reasons why I want to bring this up of where it's coming from is we actually teach our kids from a very young age, hungry, not hungry, right? Tired, not tired, because they can't understand the complexities. And so what we're struggling with is the fact that from a young age, we've learned to categorize things in opposites. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's just we have to understand that as we get older, those are just not accurate. There's still a mental <coughs> lie or deception covering the truth for sure which actually leads us in a lot of ways from all or nothing to something called overgeneralization which is kind of almost like a sibling of black and white thinking yeah as you will probably kind of see a lot of these thinking ears are, are kind of like they overlap like a little bit there's some similarities but it's the differences it's, are so important yeah though. it's helpful to know the differences in there so um overgeneralization Basically, it's um, you look at one situation that happened, and you kind of base everything off that one situation, um, and you kind of like label that, and this is the way I am, and this is the way it is. And, um, As I heard example. from a client today, my mom is all bad. All that she ever does is nag me. All that she thinks is that I'm a failure, right? Just because I do think, yeah, that mom maybe does nag you a lot and probably there is a lot of criticism, so to speak. 
but you're probably overgeneralizing because mm-hmm. I'm sure that's not every single word that comes from right. your mouth. And that flood of emotions that comes from overgeneralizing isn't helpful at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so just um, in, in this example, it kind of talks about like the sink, like a single incident or a single piece of evidence. Um, and I'm, I'm trying to think of examples that so we don't use the signals and all again. So like, me growing up, um, I'm well, I guess I still am a violinist. Um, anybody knowing me and listening to this knows that I practice like my tush off growing up, but I was very anxious little girl and very anxious teenager and young adult even. Um, and there would be so many times where I would forget parts of the piece that I had been playing in competitions or performances or whatever. And frankly, it's so easy to overgeneralize how bad it was. Or, ah, that ruined the entire performance, right? That one little slip right there. Oh man, Mm. it's so easy to just Add one fly into the cake batter and it ruins the whole thing, right? Yeah, that's a, that's a really good example. Well, thanks. You know, <laughs> I've lived it, so, you know. But, well, you know, you could also say that I was jumping to conclusions, which is another hey. thing here. All right. Um, I'm kind of cheating. Oh, you're good. <laughs> so jumping to conclusions, I mean, yeah, we can, know that. Um, remember earlier in the episode I said, oh yeah, you're not a mind reader. That's such a common one for women. We'll drop these hints, expecting a man to know what we're thinking. And we're jumping to conclusions in a lot of ways because you can't read my mind. Similarly, but opposite, when somebody says something and they say it in that certain way, maybe there's that facial expression. We yeah. jump to conclusions. Yes. Okay. Right. About. I got. Ugh, they must hate me. Um. Is is on this list? Is there mind reading? Or yeah, this? I think so. Okay. It's kind of the same thing to me. It's similar. Yeah. Um. But so yeah, I'd say if I were, if I had define, I'd say, um, when we make an assumption based off of very little evidence. Yeah. Um. And so yeah, like my. Um, it, it, you kind of said this example already, but mm-hmm. an example I love to use with clients is like, if I'm walking down the street, I run into someone I know, and we're talking, and we're, you know, we're just having a casual conversation, and then I see this person I'm talking to making like a face, and in my mind I was like, what? I'm like, what's up with that face? Oh my gosh, they think I'm stupid, or they don't mm-hmm. like me, and ah, and, and you, you just like dig this rabbit hole. And then usually your facial expressions go away. You don't get as enthused. So then they actually act <sighs> less enthused. And then it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. But yes. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. So, um, anyways, um, you see a, that person make a face and then you react again. Mm. And the, the truth is you don't know again what that person's thinking. Yeah. Like they, like they could have thought really quick. Shoot, I have to do homework tonight, and that could, you know, like there, there could be a thousand reasons why someone makes a face like that as they're talking to you, and you just don't know. Like you're not, you don't know. Mm-hmm. And so, um, like in situations like that, I just 
I just like to say, hey, like, I don't know. I don't know what they meant by that or why they said that, you know. And I'm just, I'm not gonna worry about it. I'm gonna leave it. I'm gonna leave it there. One of my most important, I guess, things that I tell people is you're not allowed to believe it unless it's specifically told to you. Yeah, I agree. really I, have no idea, especially in couple therapy. I oh! totally agree with that. There's so much, like, we make assumptions that people don't like us, and it's like, wait a second, like... Imagine if we came to the same conclusions that they must like us as much as we do, they must not like us. I've started what doing that. a crazy that. world. Yeah, no, it's pretty cool. <laughs> My wife must like me. Is that what you do? <laughs> yeah, like, oh, like... <laughs> My friend, because, you know, like, when I was a, when I was a teenager, you know, really insecure, I'd always believe, like, oh, like, I don't know if my friends really even like me, because, like, they're just being nice to me. And so, anyways, that, yeah, that's, that's. I want to go hug 17-year-old Yeah. And and 15-year-old. I want to marry you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, another example that I can think of in my life is, I remember, as a teenager, that somebody would compliment my shoes or my hair, um, a shirt or something one day, uh-huh. and then the next day they wouldn't say anything. Oh yeah. And so yeah, I yeah. would always <laughs> think, oh my gosh, this was a mistake to wear this, or I should have just worn this. They hate the way. way they hate, they the way hate I dress. it because they didn't say anything, right? Yeah. So I'm never gonna wear this shirt again. And I'm serious. I did that. I no, I I've also had those thoughts. I bet some of you can relate. I'm I'm sure, right? Yeah. Or you know, a boss compliments you on a well a, a job well done, right? And again, says nothing later. Or my <laughs> other favorite, I was giving a presentation this weekend, and there were some ladies that came up after to ask questions or or whatever. Um, and I know me five years ago would have been like, oh man, but there were thirty people who didn't come in and did a good job. They must have not liked it. I would be jumping the conclusion. Yeah. Or maybe, oh man, they didn't smile at me or it's not awkward seeing them. They must not like me. They must not like me. Right. Jumping the conclusions. Again, I do not know until I am told. And then you say, oh, but Jessica, they're never going to tell me they don't like me. And I say, yeah, right. Welcome to Cyber Bowling. Right. Just kidding. (laughs) That's a joke and it's terrible. But it's true. Right. I still cannot know 100% what they are thinking until they tell me in words. <coughs> and, and, and if I can add, add to that really Please. quick, I think it's important to say, like, um, you know, for me, and I, and I think and hope and assume for most people, most people will not dislike you if they don't have a huge reason to dislike you. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's, like, I've never, like, I've never met someone and, and maybe thought, even if they're like, oh, like, that was kind of an awkward conversation, like, like, I still like them, like, you know, yeah. unless they punch me in the face or something. So, like, <laughs> I'm just saying, like, I, it's so much more safe to assume that people like us. Oh, yeah, totally. Um, and respect us than not, because, like, just from my perspective, like, that's just, I think that mm-hmm. way, I think most people think that way of, uh, oh yeah, like this person's fine and they're cool and they're nice and like, you know, unless they slash my tires, we're good, we're yeah, fine, we're and, neutral. And that that little thing that you might be freaking out about that you done did or say or whatever, or like, didn't do quite right, left in, your fly down and whatever. <laughs> <laughs> that kind of uh, stuff. Like I can laugh at it now. 
was mortifying back then, but you know. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, I can see that. Another example I really, really, really like of kind of fortune telling or anticipating things based on little facts, right? And I'm sure I don't know if you've, you've done this. Actually, I know that you have. You've told me about it, but. I know I talk to plenty of people and plenty of my friends, etc. Is when they're already to see, already to see, they start a relationship with somebody and they're dating and things are going well, but then they start to see little tiny things that for some reason remind them of another relationship that failed. And so they start checking out of the relationship and then it does fail. Yeah. But it's because they're, they're predicting with really like little information that that person is going to break up with them or it's not going to work out. And that very prediction leads to failure. <laughs> yeah, no, seriously, that, that happened to me all the time. So yeah. Yeah. I, I hear can, about it all the time I too, which actually leads us to catastrophizing really, really well. Number five, really catastrophizing. Well. Um, and if you like what you hear, just type in thinking errors or cognitive distortion into Google. And you will find various lists of this. And even so, worksheets on how to like yeah. change your thinking. Just you know, just think I I don't want anyone to be taking notes right now and us going too fast for them. Just, just Google. <laughs> it's bound to happen though, okay. right? Catastrophizing. Go for it, Tinky. Um, I just I mean I mean this is pretty quick, but I just always use say like worst case scenario thinking. Mm, uh, the worst thing is always gonna happen. And what I just tell people is like, when you think about, if you, if you could chart all the thousands and thousands of things that you, you felt anxiety about throughout your life, and looked at what actually happened in those situations, like, a very, very, very small percentage amount were things that were like the worst case scenario. Yeah. Like, so basically guys, things usually work out alright and fine, like all the time, for better, for worse, yeah. in the long run. You know, um, you know, how many times was I anxious about meeting with clients or, or giving a presentation or talking to a boss or interviewing people? And it's just like, dude, Tim, it's fine. Like, and it, it was out. like, yeah. I, I am still alive and I, you know, have a job and have a house. And, and when there were times where I didn't have a job or a house, I was able to find another job or, you know, like it's just like, yeah, most, the vast majority of the time, the things we're anxious about rarely go very far into like being actually bad. Oh, this is terrible. And I think the important thing to recognize <clears throat> too is we're not even afraid of it happening. That's a really crazy thing. What we're actually afraid of and are anxious about is this tragedy or whatever happening and we won't be able to cope with it. Uh -huh. But people are incredibly resilient. I mean, Look through the thousands of years that we've made it through. Lots of tragedies. And you can argue and say, oh yeah, but certain areas of the world are going to pot and moral corruption, etc. But people are resilient. They learn. They keep, um, you know, finding new and discovering new ways of handling difficult things. And does that mean you should just throw all prevention out the window? No, 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 I'm not saying that. Because those are all the people that are dead now. <laughs> what I'm saying is um, you need to ask yourself if what I'm <laughs> fearing is actually preventable. And is that energy being spent 
directly helping to keep me safe, then I think it's a worthy cause. If it's not directly helping you, that energy is literally like you putting it down the toilet, like 30% of your energy every day. That's yeah. a lot of energy. It's a lot of energy. doesn't even help you at all. Speaking of energy, just kidding. Can see <laughs> first oh, okay. Can I? I, oh, I really like talking it, about this one. Go for it. So number six, personalization. Um, so <clears throat> this is when we believe that that basically like okay, <laughs> it's when we believe we're basically the center of the world in like yeah. a in like a negative way where we assume that like. Everything people say or do is somehow like pointing towards us. Our Let me. My favorite example of this is um. You're like a lot. My favorite example is like when we walk into like a room full of people. Let's say like a lobby of a doctor's office or something. We walk in, and a lot of times we assume that like everyone is looking at us and everyone is making judgments at us. And, and like everyone has these thoughts and, you know, the majority of the time it's negative thoughts about us. And on the flip side, can you even remember a single person that walked in? Exactly. And so I always like traverse and say, wait a second, like when you're sitting in the lobby and someone walks in, yeah, you notice them, you know, you're like, oh, there's a man or there's a woman. And... Do you spend any other time or energy on them? <laughs> no, because because everyone is too worried about themselves, oh like God. about what people noticing them that they're not noticing other people. <laughs> and and I say this with like all the positivity oh. and love in the world, and you're just not that important. Like, yeah. Like ev like again like people like I, people are afraid or anxious in stores and I can't be around people and they're they're gonna notice me. It's like, dude. And do that. When I'm in the store, I'm focusing on what I'm getting, and then I'm out of there. Like I don't care and who's there. And what I want and what I need, you're really not that important. Yeah. And again, we said with all the love in the world, um, people are probably ignoring you. They really are. <laughs> and and again, like, and with this with this thinking error, um, like comparison, comparing yourself with other people. Also, is a big thing of like how I look, you know. Oh no, like they're so pretty. They they probably me. hate me or whatever. Or, man, they, you know. I'm not good enough. My favorite is the teenagers. I work a lot with uh, teenagers with social anxiety, and the root of all social anxiety is not being good enough and rejection. Yeah. And so what happens is I had a client who um, basically used this example in sand tray, where uh, sand tray is literally what it is. It's a tray of sand. And what it is is you use that as kind of a metaphor of being able to kind of um, investigate certain of those beliefs or thinking patterns or things that happen. And we were talking about her fear of rejection, and she used this amazing metaphor um, where she put all of these mountains in the sand and she placed this figurine that was her at the very top of the mountain and then all sorts of um, rocks at the bottom of the mountain. And she then put all of these people in her life on the tops of different mountains. And they're all on the tops of these mountains staring at each other. 
And I proceeded to ask her, well, tell me, what is, what is this about? And she proceeded to tell me, well, I feel like I'm too scared to come down from my mountain. And I'm not good enough for people to leave their mountains to come up to me. Wow. And I redirected it and I asked her, well, if you're not willing to come down from your mountain, why would they be? Right? They're just as afraid of you, of them not being good enough for you to come down to them as you were to come down for blah, blah, blah. Right? And it's this idea, again, that it's all about us and we're just, <coughs> You know, not good enough, and people are out to get us or don't like us. And it's because and they always notice them. They always see us. <laughs> and they notice that one shirt because it's all it all matters whether they gave you that one compliment the next day, whether I'll wear it again. Right? Uh-huh. <laughs> but it's all because again, in that video I mentioned at the beginning, in our earlier days, we needed people to accept us to survive. We had to be a part of the group. If we weren't a part of the group and accepted and fed in, we wouldn't be protected. That was back then. Nowadays, do you actually need people around you to protect you? No. All I need is a Netflix account <laughs> and a McDonald's. Now that we know that's not true because connection is important. But I'm just saying that's why rejection and why we're not good enough when we're always thinking other people are judging us, why that's at the core mm-hmm. of these thinking errors or these lies that are bringing people to us. They're not helpful. That's for sure. Ooh, I got, ooh, yeah. Ooh, I got ooh, can I, can I jump on this? Yeah, you, you go can first I, and I'll jump? just, yeah. It's called control fallacies. Oh, man, I love this one. We have this amazing belief that comes in. It's a total lie, of course. But that, again, kind of that idea that we're just so important and we are so amazing at affecting everything around us, that it's either all our fault or, quote, I should have done something to change that. Uh-huh. When in reality, it probably had nothing to do with you. <laughs> there probably really was nothing that you could have said, done, or should have done that would have changed that outcome, really. But we have this control fallacy that if we just believe we could have done something, Maybe we can prevent it in the future. Can you kind of elaborate on that? Because um, I don't know if I have so, words around it and it's got No, I mean, I, I just, I think that the, it's a, it's an important <clears throat> truth to realize like how much control you don't have in your life. Yeah. And that's like not, maybe not, that might be like a scary thing to hear, but like that's the reality. But it's, here's the thing. It's important. Mm-hmm. to understand that so you can identify what you can control and like like Jess was saying a few minutes earlier mm-hmm. so that you can actually be putting effort productively towards things you can, you can control you actually and not can do pushing it down about... the toilet of things you can't control <laughs> yeah. um, and w- another thing with this a, con- a control fallacy is um, I-, I would say like not take like not taking responsibility. Oh, we just and so yeah. Oh, I did bad on that test because this the happened. The teacher happened didn't teach it good enough. Um, I had no control 
over how I did. And right. um, and again, and and I would, and we would challenge that and say like, okay, what did you have control over in that situation? Leo, take some responsibility. Yeah, you can that balance. You can yeah. study. You can ask the teacher for help. You can stay after school or go, you know. Get, and I think you know. Then after you've done that, yeah, it probably should have been your teacher's job. But, let me know. let me tell you another part of this thinking era of control fallacies. This drives me crazy. <laughs> when people are, um, when they're jerks and they say, this is just the way that I am. Ooh, or you made me. Yeah. Ooh, I favorite. really hate that because it's like, no, no, no. No one is just like a jerk. Yeah. Like, you know, maybe you have a little bit of a stronger personality. <laughs> that does not give you the right to be, I'm going to say it. To be a butt face with people <laughs> and and excusing yourself because that's the way that you are. Like no no no, like take responsibility. Fallacy of a lack of control. Right? Be you can obviously tell I've had negative experiences with people like this <laughs> in my life, and I'm just saying no. Like take responsibility. You have no excuse for being injured. Be nice. Yeah, absolutely. And the reverse, right? I mean, but a similar control issue is the victim mentality, man, yeah. which is, oh, I'm just depressed because everyone around me doesn't like me Yep. because I am just not good enough, and I work so hard, but it's just never enough, right? Yeah. And the problem with being a victim is you're always trying to find someone to save you, and that's great because people probably will, and you'll feel close and connected and secure for a while. But eventually people get tired of rescuing you and you don't know how to actually do it yourself. Yeah. So you're just constantly always a victim. That is the easiest way to stay depressed or anxious because you feel like you don't have any control yep. in changing it. And so, and yeah, as you can tell, we're both really passionate about this one, which is, yeah. I didn't even like realize how passionate I am about yeah. this. But yeah, again, we, there's a lot we don't have control over in our lives yeah. but you do have con some control and when you know what you have control over that is what you can do you might live in a city overridden mm -hmm. with crime <laughs> and so you is might you might have to go to the Himalayan mountains and and be trained by assassins for seven years Batman three points and Superman then, none and then come back <laughs> It, and you know that's a fun example but i like to use that example because yeah like like we do have control we just have to figure out what we can do and do that spend the energy on that yeah yeah and then you're not you know this helpless person the other one and i think it's because tim and i really really relate to this because we were kind of the children the peacemaker kid yeah you know, that that kind of person and um, it's this idea that we're responsible or we play a role in other people's happiness or their pain or whatever, and we're responsible for that in yep. some part. And the problem with that is, yeah, you know, maybe if you tripped your sister, you're responsible for the bruise on her leg. Yeah, I can see how that one probably relates, right? But just because they had a bad idea and or a bad idea, a bad day, and they're down. It's not reasonable for us to be asking, oh, what did I do yeah, to cause you, that? Again, you're not that important. You don't, like, <laughs> yeah. 
that responsibility is theirs. It's not yours. Yeah. Leave the responsibility with them. Yep. You can control how you react, how you feel. You can't control other people. You can't. And sometimes we like to think we're that powerful, though. And I get it. I get why. But you're just not. Um, the next one's called The Fallacy of Fairness. Oh, I'm just so upset because it just wasn't fair. You should have won, right? Mm-hmm. Just fighting against reality here. That's hey. so nice you're so mad, but you being mad about it isn't going to change it at all. You can't time travel. <laughs> There's no flux capacitor in this situation. Yeah, I mean, I, I, this is a pretty basic one, but just saying, hey, like, you know, there's that really famous saying, life isn't always fair, and and it's true just to say, hey, like, it's not, and and uh, sometimes just bad things happen, and to just be able to accept that and be able to move forward and identify what you have control over. Yeah, and you might ask, well, why is this one a thinking error? Well, again, the problem is all the energy is spent trying to undo the path in yeah, your mind. Yeah, I'm really glad you brought that up. But again... It's a lie because you cannot do anything <clears throat> to change the past. <laughs> Again, all that energy is just being poured down the toilet mm-hmm. and the flush is flushing. The next one is blaming. Oh, do we love to blame, especially in couple therapy. Definitely. Well, I wouldn't have said that if you would have thought. That. My wife makes me crazy. Oh, it's her fault because she's always mad. Yeah. Oh, I wouldn't yell. It's just my kids. God, And and so with this blaming, it it it's um, it kind of goes back to that control control fallacy one of, mm-hmm. hey, like we gotta take responsibility for ourselves and how we feel and what we do and how we act and how we react. Yeah. And um, and I you know, really really quick. Um, when I, one thing I learned from, um, my first marriage is I, you know, blaming, I just, I can't do it. It's not helpful. It's not, I'm giving, I'm giving people power and I have to take that power responsibility for myself. And you're giving that power away to someone else. Yeah. To use that however they want. And so, Hey, just like, you know, I just, I just really remember my first therapist being like, blaming does not help anyone. No. Blaming is not productive. And it's not. And, um. Does it change it at all? No. It, it doesn't. doesn't. <laughs> Another way for our energy to just go down the toilet. Yeah. <laughs> it really does. Um, the, the opposite is so often we think of blaming as, oh, it's their fault. Well, the other one is the martyr, man. It's all my fault. I should have done this, this, and this, and then it would be different. <laughs> what? Why do you think people, like, people with that martyr mentality, why yeah. is that, um, um, attractive to them to kind of be like It's that, that idea of control. It, it, it feels good to know that there's always something I could have done to change it. Mm. Because we don't like feeling helpless, but the reality is, we still, no matter how much we do, we still cannot completely control what happens. We just can't. And so we need to accept it. And again, once we accept that, we can put all of that energy into the things we can do something about instead of, oh, I just should have done this, I should have done that, it's all my fault. Again, all that energy is just 
dumping it down the toilet. Doesn't go anywhere. And again, it's like being in a drought and choosing to water the rocks instead of your plants. <laughs> we would never do that, but we do it all the time in our mind. Yeah. It actually leads me to the shoulds. I had a professor that would say, don't shit on yourself. But <laughs> um, right? Musts, oughts, and shoulds just make us feel guilty, and that guilt turns into shame. Yeah. Which again, of course, water on the rocks. I should have, I should have tried harder to calm that person down. I should have oh, I should, worked. I should have done better. Yeah. Um, I, I should have sh- been a better parent. I should have been more patient. I should have been, you know, all these things. And yeah, again, this is, this is, hey, like whatever happened, happened. It's not helpful to um, focus on what you should have done. And like you said, sweetheart, like that's just not, it's not conducive. Let's water the rocks. (laughs) It it makes us focus on what we didn't do versus what what we did do. Yeah. Um, and, and, and really quick, I just want to share, um, my first therapist. One thing you said that was really helpful for me to kind of replace that should thinking is instead yeah. of, I should have studied harder for the test, um, to say, it would have been good if I studied harder for that test. I will do that next time. Excellent. And that's again taking the water and watering the plant. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Instead of watering the water. That was a really, that was a really, really helpful. That's huge. I um, love that. I love that. Um, the other thing I really like this article says is that should statements towards of others, um, pretty much always leaves that person feeling anger, frustration, and resentment. And all of those, again, don't help us water our plants, so well, to speak. And I can relate to that because when people use should statements towards us, it's always this like, it's, you're not perfect, and it like, you should have done this, but you, you know, oh, you got an A minus. You should have gotten there. You should have stayed ahead of that. I feel resentment all the time. Yeah, like, like anything short of perfection is not good enough. There's always a should that can be done, and so that's why mm. it's not helpful. Again, energy going down the toilet. <laughs> the next Ooh, one, a good one is emotional reasoning, and the emotional reasoning is, oh, but I feel it, and if I feel that, it has to be true, right? Yes. My feelings are always a hundred percent. We could do a whole episode on this one. Oh, I know, right? Um, I know we're both really kind of big and passionate. Um, but I, yeah, I, you know, for so long, I use my like emotions as like fact of, hmm. I feel like this person doesn't like me, therefore oh, they do not like me. I feel like me and this girl are gonna break up, and we're gonna break up, and then it becomes bad. Again. Cycle of self-fulfilling prophecy. Um, so I check out the relationship. I'm distant, and because of that, she's distant, and then you do that. That's and, what we're referring. To. And my and what I always tell people is, like your emotions are not omnipotent. Like they cannot yeah. tell the future. They cannot read people's minds. Um, what you feel is just what you feel, and that emotion is based off of usually like very little evidence. Yeah. And so just Emotions, we've talked about emotions before, they're important. But just more information now. They're, they're not the thermometer of right. everything. Right. I mean, I, I feel like it's like, it's like you do like a, you do all this like research by interviewing like 100 people. 
Yeah. But you're just like focusing on like what two people said. You know, it's just, you know, it's, <laughs> yeah. just a, it's a part of the puzzle. And, and, it's so important, for sure. And to just like kind of what other, one, other ones with this, to just say, okay, this is the way I feel. That doesn't mean it's true. Just because I feel rejected by my wife does not mean that my wife is rejected. Again, I'm not allowed to believe something 100% until I hear the word. Yeah. Again, cutting that mind reading, cutting that automatic first response or first reaction to whatever may not be true. I, I love to say that emotions are like the weather. Can anyone control it? No. Who would predict the weather? Are you okay? Yeah. You know, but we still can't control it. Can you control the weather by saying, okay, stop raining now, you know? No, but we can bring an umbrella, right? And and it's just <laughs> like that. The emotions are just going to come. They're fluid. But again, they're going to change. Just like the weather. So why would you yep. trust something that's just going to change? Ooh. All right, we are. Think about change, right? <laughs> um, here's the fallacy of change. This is, this is the one that everything would be all right. If this person would just stop, stop, stop. My life would be so good if this and this happened. But right now it's not. Um, going and just to really briefly talk about like my, my divorce experience of, I, you know, I, I meet people a lot of times who get divorced and then they shift blame onto their ex-spouse. Oh, because it's always their fault, right? And then they have this, like, <laughs> then they'll, like, start dating and they'll, they'll meet someone new, and they're like, oh, this person's, I'm so much happier, and this person's so much better than this person, um, and therefore I'll be happy. And it's like, wait a second, again, you gotta take responsibility for yourself, and like, yeah, and take two to Exactly, like, always. recognize, like, there are things that you need to change. And You're a part of this system. Yeah. As much as you love to say that it's that other person who did X, Y, and Z, you the beginning of the And <laughs> and also like with relationships in general and with like romantic relationships. <clears throat> lot, and siblings. Oh my gosh. A lot right? of times people will be like dating someone or friends with someone but like trying to change them. And into this image that they want and it's like just like don't do that because yeah like that's not a genuine change and if you do not like who this person genuinely is then don't be that person be friends. have oh, different friends them, I can change them they have so much good in them. Yeah, just, we all do. Guess what? Not, 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 Some people right? have a lot better in them <laughs> and will make you happier. Oh, so true. Well, and I'd say some people have actually really worked on themselves and taken responsibility. Yeah, and definitely. others really haven't. And so again, take responsibility for yourself, yeah. not for other people. Amen. Now, to say there's something called global labeling, which is what we're going to talk about now. Which is this idea, it's kind of like all or nothing again, but it's kind of this automatic label. It's almost like being racist, right? But with everything. Yeah. Man, that's a good I fell off of this green chair. All green chairs are unsafe. <laughs> that's stupid, right? You say that's stupid. But, man, here's my other favorite. 
I dated somebody um, whose name Robert. All Roberts I'll, are jerks. I'll never date a Robert again. I'll never date I'll, a Robert yeah. again. Never, yeah. And so well, we like, hear stuff like that all the time, right? And those are a little bit more like fluffy examples. But right. Still, um, <clears throat> I'm I, bad at math. That's I, my favorite too. You know, all of math. All of it. I think that we do this a lot, like really um, subconsciously. And so, again, yeah. just just like trying to be aware of, um, I don't know. Yeah. I'm losing steam a little bit. Oh, a, I hear we, you. We got a couple more. My fly is down, and therefore I'm just a terrible date, right? No one will ever marry right. me no because my fly is down. What would be a label for that? That was my thought for the moment. Oh, I'm so sorry, <laughs> and I love you. And what would like? To label someone with a fly, are, are they like, they're a fly downer? Is that what they are? <laughs> no, they're just a Debbie downer. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Um, the last, or the second to last one is always being right. Again, it's this idea that I'm going to win this argument no matter what. Because I just have to be right. No matter yeah. the cost, either. And we would say, why is being right all the time so important to you? It's like, you can't, no one is right all the time. And oh, but I am. Does it make you like a more worthy, better person if you're right all the time, mm. or if you're really smart? Like, no, like we're all, we all have equal worth. Like, well, again, if you're always right, that means I can't actually trust anything. Yeah. I'm not sure which one mm-hmm. you're trying to just tell me you're right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> which ones you're actually right about? So there's like that. Yeah. There's like a, a lack of trust at the most. Yeah. Yeah, it's okay to be wrong. It's okay. But then they'll go to any length to demonstrate how right they are. And you're just like, I don't care. Let's just get the yeah. 2% milk then anyway. Yeah, like, okay. Like, it's okay. <laughs> we're going to survive this. Again, we're watering the rocks and the desert yep. instead of our plants. <laughs> the energy <clears throat> is just being wasted. The very last one is called Heaven's Reward Fallacy. And that's kind of a, well, it's a peaceful title in some ways. But it's kind of the martyr effect, which is this idea of the more I sacrifice for something or someone, the more of a reward I'll get in some way from this other person. Or I should get. Oh, I never should again. Um, yeah. So, oh, no, no. Okay. I like what you said. So, and like, so we can look at that as like relationships or even like, but I worked so hard in this. Yeah. This should be dot, dot, dot. Jobs, like, um. I worked so hard, therefore I should get a raise. That's literally proportionate. And that's so nice. I get that. But it's just not yeah. how it works. <laughs> yeah. There are so many, like, different things happening in our lives. Different dynamics. You no. Know, bad things can happen. Yeah. Good things can happen. And yeah, work hard and do your best. Mm-hmm. But, but you're gonna be disappointed, and that's okay. I worked so hard on this piece of balance this year that I should be getting the equal amount of work, right? I, yes. I heard that from clients this week, actually. No. And then even knowing that that's not the case, but then still feeling disappointed. Yeah. When it happened. Yep. But again, it's this I'll, idea. Of, at least they were aware of it, you know. Well, yeah. We we work. Right. We all work. We all work on things. Um, this this one also talks about how 
if my self-denial and my, my sacrifice will eventually pay off and I'll be rewarded for that self-denial mm-hmm. and sacrifice. But then we feel resentment when it doesn't, yeah. which actually destroys the relationship worse than if we didn't have that much self-denial. Um, with this, like, a, a really popular Hollywood mentality is if I love someone, I will work. If I don't give up on them, they'll they'll love me back. Yeah, and it's usually just, the guy doing that, right? Yes, the girl. exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. But and, I see it all the time with girls too in movies. And just like you know what, there's some people that you should be with, and there's some people you shouldn't be with. Yeah. And if someone is not as excited about you mm-hmm. as you are about them, I think. It, I think it's good to let mm-hmm. that go and find someone that is excited to be with you. I might talk with several clients about this today, but but I myself, last example here, um, I consider myself a very, very loyal and devout friend. I mean, I pour a lot into relationships, and sometimes it's not reciprocated. Oh, right? that's it's a great not. example. I would... You do that too. I mean, uh-huh. we're both very intense, so to speak, in our relationships. And I've had to realize, you know what? Some people are just not like that. They would rather have lots of casual friends than some really, really intense relationships like you would just have. Yep. And it's not their fault because that's their preference. Right. But if it doesn't work for you, you need to let that go. And also, that doesn't mean that they don't care about you. They don't and, value you. Yeah. And that's okay, you know. Um, but, but for a long time, I would get, as you said, butt hurt, so to speak, that um, I would put all of this into being so thoughtful and caring and asking about things and remembering things, and they wouldn't. I would feel offended. Mm-hmm. And again, that resentment would creep in, and I would find myself getting irritated at them instead of just recognizing either that's all they want out of this relationship, or maybe they show that they care to me in different ways, like you said. Yeah. And that that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's all of them. Um, and, and on my end, just to, to wrap it up. Um, yeah, like identify like which of those do I do the most or which ones do I have the most trouble with? <clears throat> um, ask your, you know, and, close people because you might not even be aware of it. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. And, and challenge, Perception. challenge them when you have them, you know, be aware of, oh, I'm doing this thinking error right now. Challenge that. Wait a second. I don't really have hard evidence that this person doesn't like me. I'm kind of. I'm a, expecting something in return for this or whatever. Yeah, and and what, again, like with that con- cognitive behavior therapy, um, when you can challenge the way that you think and those beliefs, change your computer coding. Then you will change the way that you feel yeah. and the way that you act, which is gonna help out with your relationships and help out with I, I think for Everything. me for yeah, this like thinking errors for me, um, even more than my relationships with other people is more of my relationships with myself because I uh, always yeah. doubt myself and assume people didn't like me. And to be able to step out and say, wait a second, there's no reason why someone would like me. Like nice. Yeah, exactly. I try to be <laughs> nice, like I try hard not to be a jerk. And so as far as I know, I can assume that most people like it, and that's cool. That's a good feeling. And again, another way of thinking about it, too, is whenever you feel one of those coming on, 
You can even say something like, oh, silly brain. Thanks for trying to keep me safe. Tricks are for kids. <laughs> but I know that you're distorting this a little bit. <clears throat> so let me help myself to get yes. a little more balanced oh. and level. So that, I mean, I guess, yeah, that, I'm just really passionate about this because it was so helpful for me. Me too. Um, and so I hope that, that this information has been helpful for, for anyone listening to this. Um, and yeah, please read about this more. Do some Google searches. Do, you know, YouTube, yeah. journal, write down some things that you feel like you might do and start to challenge those thinking errors and, yeah. and free yourself. Like we, we're not as keyed in on survival anymore. We can focus on relationships and focus on ourselves and satisfaction and happy and yeah. being happy. And so anyways, this is from our hearts and souls to yours. If you feel like this is something you really struggle with, we would super recommend doing therapy yourself to kind of challenge some of those thinking and maybe help uncover some of the ones that you're not even aware of. Yeah. Um, Testimonial. Yes. <laughs> Seriously. Um, and also, like we said in our last episode, if you have any subjects you want us to cover, if you have any questions, um, send us send us a message. On our Facebook group. Yeah, on our Facebook group. And um, a good friend of ours um, last time sent us a really good question, and that was a good experience and a good discussion. Um, we've we've gone over. Can we like in like one minute? Can we just talk about self care? Oh yeah, totally. Okay, cool. Well. You watched the Spider-Man movie last night and ate McDonald's with Peter. Yeah, I watched Spider-Man to the Spider-Verse, my favorite movie of 2018. And, um... I did really mind the yoga the last several days. And I also really focused on driving and just being super present and turning off the radio and not listening to anything. And that was actually really, really helpful. I didn't even let my brain wander. I just, like, really just with super focus in the present and that was really great that and is, I got Rita that is awesome nice. yeah <laughs> I know I appreciated that yeah so anyways thanks everyone hope things are going good and we will catch you next time bye bye